This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. Hi, I'm Will. We're going to talk about Colossus, sometimes called Colossus the Forbin Project, a 1966 novel by... D.F. Jones, that stands for Dennis Feltham Jones, apparently still alive, or at least was recently. Um, and he wrote two sequels, which I have read all about, in case you want to know what happens. Um, you don't really want to know what happens. Uh, <laughs> That's a little unfair, Jesse. No, you don't. The, 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 the third book is more interesting than the second I knew that knew about this because it was a book, uh, not a book. First, I knew about it because it was a movie, 1970 movie. Um, it's an amazing 1970 movie. I'm sure I sent it to you, Misa, years ago. You Nelly? did, and I watched it years ago. And it blew and your I, socks I totally, off. I didn't totally understand it the first time I really? saw it. Really? No, I and but the second, but then this time I I did. I don't know why I was distracted or something, but yeah, it was a great movie. And I heard Will didn't watch the movie. No, no. Apparently, um, it uh, took me a long time to uh, listen to a 10-hour audiobook, and then I just didn't watch the movie. Well, the good news that's is... A, that's a misnomer. How did it take you a long time to listen to a 10-hour book? Didn't it take you 10 hours? I'd yes. Like, yeah, how many hours did it take you? <laughs> 10. <laughs> Maybe a little bit longer. I think I had to rewind like once or twice mm. where I like dozed off or something, but like, oh. we'll just say 10. Okay, oh. well, the good news is... Uh, I, I've almost never seen a more faithful science fiction movie. It's yeah, incredibly it totally faithful. The very small differences between the two, the main being, uh, our hero, Forbin, doesn't have a pipe in the movie, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very important thing for his hands. It's true. Um, and then the other thing is Colossus doesn't have a British accent. And I think that's actually an improvement. I, I, I mean, I, I had read this years ago after after seeing the movie and I and the audiobook brought home again because I didn't really recognize it at the time when I read the book about the whole British accent. But when you hear it at that British accent in the audiobook, it's like oh I completely forgot about that. It's mm. like it's so jarring The voice in the movie the is amazing. Movie. It's so yeah. freaky. This is the voice of Colossus. This is the voice of Guardian. I, I have a I have a small confession to make. Please confess. Um in uh, in preparing for this, I I I read the book first, and I accidentally read the second book. And when I saw the <laughs> book, I was like, "Whoa, is this a prequel?" I, I don't. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, wow, this is a really cool prequel. This would make a really good story." And then I heard the audiobook and went, "Oh, I see, <laughs> I see where I went wrong." And yes, the second book. Don't read it. <laughs> don't read it. Yeah. Don't read the third book. Probably either. I mean, it was well written, really well written, but it goes into some territory you really don't want to go. Yeah, and I noticed. Oh, yeah, there's art like a, a like a Colossus does rape studies and stuff. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, yeah. In any case, it sounds like D.F. Jones didn't have a sequel in mind because the first sequel came out in 1974, which is four years after the movie adaptation and almost ten years after the original publication. It ends with a question. It says, uh, Forbin says, I'm never going to submit or whatever. And, and Colossus never, says, never. never. Um, but, uh, the movie is awesome. 
That's why I need to watch it, Will. It's iconic, and it's awesome. And the reason it's so awesome is it's a noir. It it takes science fiction, and it says, oh, you foolish humans. <laughs> You've done exactly what you always were planning to do. Destroy yourselves. But it's a destruction that is uh, sweet. Because in the movie... I think Colossus is right. <laughs> Not in the sequel books, obviously. But I was thinking, you know, a lot of people would really accept Colossus 2020. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Colossus 2020. Yeah. Um, Mysa, do you remember the context of me talking to you about the first time, uh, about why, uh, why you should watch the movie? When you sent it to me all those years ago? Yeah, yeah. You you sent me a list of must watch movies. Oh, did I? Okay. You did, and that was and that was on it. So I I was like going through all the must watches. Huh. So that was one of them. Awesome. Well, um, years and years ago, I'm pretty sure you were on it. Um, I did a podcast on a Jack London story. I mm-hmm. don't know if um, Will has read it. I know he's a Jack London fan. I don't remember if Paul was on it. I'm just going to look it up. Yeah, it was Greg Marguerite, narration, Jesse, Brian Alexander, Seth, and Misa. And this story was called Goliath. I totally remember that one. Yeah. So Goliath by Jack London. I thought it was uh, like a a short story version of, when I was reading it the very first time, of Colossus. And the reason is it... It's basically, it's got the power of Colossus. It can destroy at will and it can make people do whatever it wants. But it turns out that it's a guy. <laughs> but I thought, oh my God, Goliath sounds like Goliath, right? And Colossus. Um, but it's the same. It's, it's like the, the world's fucked up and, uh, somebody needs to set it right. And the way it does that is by executing people, like just making them disappear, right? Anywhere on Earth, unstoppable. Um, and the scenes that are well, in the that book sounds, that sounds familiar, right? Killing, killing people to save save the planet. That yeah. we just did that book for okay, Dick. Well, we just did that book with this book too, right? Yeah. So uh, in the in the book, uh, he has uh, Colossus has people's heads chopped off mm-hmm. and then shown to him, right? In the movie. Um, he has a couple of CIA agents or somebody shot, um, executed by, uh, other cops or whatever. And, uh, and then he says, I want, I want those bodies under my cameras for 24 hours so that w- yeah. it wasn't faked, right? Right. And that's the, the ruthlessness of Goliath is, or in this case, Colossus is awesome. Um, because it's real politique. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like, I think it, what's the most ridiculous thing about this book is that, that first of all, Colossus works at all because <laughs> it's a giant military boondoggle, right? Which the, mili- the military industrial yeah, complex of the United States would love to spend tons of cash wasting, you know, making themselves rich on. But then ultimately to turn over that, that, those profits to, uh, to uh you know a computer that wouldn't boondoggle 
they wouldn't like that. So I, I, I can imagine the scenario happening that they would create this program to, you know, make the military budget massively bigger, a giant computer under a mountain. We're going to make tons of money. We're going to milk the government so good. And then what would actually happen is it wouldn't work. (laughs) That's that's, that's very much the idiocracy approach. And you're probably right. It probably – and not to mention this not only does not – only work but it works better than they expected and that's the problem it, it exceeds its ex- their expectations and that what leads to us down the garden path of colossus and guardian dominating the world mm-hmm. and it's it, a, it was interesting they didn't say who commissioned it wh- the previous president is mentioned in the book is that what they said was the, the previous, yeah, previous president yeah. it has to be yeah, yeah. Okay. 12 years i love oh, i love yeah. how funny that the, the uh the movie is now watching it <laughs> where we we are supposed to respect the president <laughs> i'm supposed to see him as like competent <laughs> but, 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 but in comparison to the book i mean consider the, the president of the movie who never has a name i, mean, I don't think even the guy in the, in the book has a name no he's just he's the president calm and confident and strong where's the where the president in the book is amazingly interestingly flawed he's short he's tempered Needs, yeah. he, has a, he has a drive for power and authority. He's it's Gordon Pinsent in the movie. Who's a Cana- Gordon mm-hmm. Pinsent is the yeah. president I'm, in the movie. So the president in the book Canadian is a much more interesting character than the, char- the president in the movie who's just there as the president than nothing else, really. It's also in the in the book, It's the he's the president of North America. Mm-hmm. Don't right. they say that in the movie? No, it's no, not. No, the, 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 the movie implies, although it doesn't say that it's set close to to its present in 1970 because mm-hmm. the technology hasn't advanced the everything seems to be they're still flying the same as a, they're pretty still flying funny primitive helicopters and such yeah but but the book makes it clear it's like 20 or 30 years in the future because we have At now have the united states of europe we have united states of north america we have mm-hmm. the soviet bloc we've had additional environmental problems that they mentioned so the, the world has gone on and not always in a good way. I mean, they talk about a really bad blight they had and they have had to spend lots of money to fix it. So the, yeah. the, the world of the book in the future has taken some hits and it's almost like the, our world today, except of course they still have the, the Soviet uh, allied uh, face off of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so. The, the book is much more science fictional in the sense that it's actually set in the future, whereas the movie implies, oh, yeah, they've been building all this time, and now we have it. Ta-da! What do you think, Will? Oh, man, there's so much in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, so I have uh, I have two kinds of things I have thoughts about with this book. Um, one are my thoughts about Colossus, and the second, which I think is... Um, you know, maybe more interesting, but also like off topic from the book is like, what is the relationship between man and woman in this book? Right. Mm. Like that's, <laughs> uh, that's like really on, on the nose, on the head. <laughs> and I don't know if that's tied to the relationship between uh, man and Colossus or like man and the next man. Um, yeah. Uh, it's some pretty heavy stuff. It's, there. it's really fun because that's it. It's, there's so you're right. There's so much going on. One of the things is it's God, right? It's God saying to Adam, "Yeah, <laughs> hey, come on, 
How many times? How many? Guy. How many times do you need a woman? <laughs> and then the computer. He says seven days a week. <laughs> he says no, no, not one. <laughs> Yeah, but but there are some jokes in the in the book as well. But the movie is much better at showing like the uh, the on screen. Uh, it's an amazing movie. Will it, it, it like the way it's done? The overlapping dialogue. James Hong's in it. If you know who James Hong's uh, James Hong is, he's uh, he's the bad guy and. He's got small role as a programmer in the movie. Yeah, he's 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 the bad guy in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, okay. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, he's it's not a huge role, but it's seeing him really young is really cute. Um, in any case, the relationship between it's it's Frankenstein, right? It, it, yeah, they yeah. talk about Frankenstein a lot, but in the book, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's a weird thing because it because the machine comes out and says, you know, I'm like God now. Mm-hmm. Um. And you all are gonna love it. Uh, I, I I love it and I hate it because um, you don't get to it till right at the end where the machine is like, so you all are gonna like me, and that's where we we start to get kind of the god thing going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. That's a great uh, ending. It's an amazing it's a great ending. ending. But I also like I it's so rich too that mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's just best to just leave it out on the table like that, like walk away with it, or if I wish we had like kind of explored that idea a little bit more uh, in the novel. Um, the the comparison to uh, another series of books I want to make is uh, uh, Dan Simmons' uh, Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, one, of the, one of the plots in that book is, uh, so, um, you know, you have all these super intelligent um, AIs that basically run the galaxy, Um you know, they have a relationship with the humans and there's kind of a piece there, but, uh, the humans have developed a, a machine god, uh, in the future. And then the machines have developed a machine god in the future. And those things are kind of coming back in time at the, in the, at the people who are in the present in those books. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm thinking about that. And, uh, it's really interesting that what, uh, Colossus and Guardian immediately set out to do, um, is to make a better version of themselves. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's yep. God, but it's also, we're trying to make the next man. We're trying to evolve. Well, that's what Frankenstein does too, the creature, yeah. right? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. And what's the, uh, What's the exchange in the book where it's like scientists shouldn't be allowed to read Frankenstein? No, <laughs> non-scientists should be forced to read Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so all of that's just really rich and really wonderful. And I wouldn't have ambivalent feelings about this book at all. But for what is the relationship between man and woman in this book? I just haven't I haven't figured out exactly what's going on here unless it's just the like. It's written by um, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like the most basic statement of like woman as caretaker, mother, fulfiller, like um, confidant. Put your hand down. Yeah, yeah. that that scene is not in the movie. Yeah. No. Say say that again, Mice. I missed it. Oh, I said blouses to put your hand down. Oh yeah, <laughs> blouses to put your hand. Down. I thought that was I I thought that that was actually really interesting because it is it shows you it's farther set in the future than you know this 1970 movie right it they filmed it probably in 69 the book's written 66 the pills and inv- not invented but uh, comes into being as a phenomenon in the early 60s um, if you go 50 years down the road 
like we have, um, you can see that we've got all sorts of problems with red pills and uh, incels and, and stuff. And it's not unrelated to women being able to uh, have as much sex as they want or as little as they want. But, but, the, but the way that the book... And not have the consequence for it. The, 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 weird, the weird thing is that in the book, it's just it's the Colossus programming group that has because they've been isolated and basically quarantined in order to work on this thing. They've come up with these weird sexual mores about how they interact. It's not it's not at all clear. And I don't think it is that the rest of the wide world is doing this just because they've just been all been putting this pressure cooker together that they've come up with this whole weird weird take on sexual relationships, which is really, really odd and not in the movie at all. No. I, I, I mean, in the book, it's clear that for that uh, um, Forbin and and what's her name? Um, Cleo. Cleo are eventually fall in love in the movie. That's clear. In the book, it's 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 a it's a much more tortured way to get there. And then there's the whole and, and I found it interesting that in the book, Angela is basically the um, promiscuous one, of course, and in the movie. She's played by Marion Ross from Happy Days, which is like, yeah, that's a, that was just like listening. To like I, I kept seeing, I kept seeing Mara like, oh god, that's not an image I've ever wanted. I think the film is brilliant. It, it, it's it's so well done with the opening credits. The uh, that's the a thing that the, the book can't do. The music's good. Absolutely, but like him, Forbin walking out of Colossus for the last time, right? Um, the one thing that they could have done better, and I guess, Will, you'll have to ima- use your imagination. He's walking past all these defenses. They eventually turn on the gamma radiation or whatever, um, that they all describe and lay out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, this is actually the setup that we want for a certain kind of science fiction. So the reason I think most people find wiggle room with the cold equations is because the author didn't put enough attention into it um, so that people can't you know people want to wiggle out of the the point of the cold equations um, and they do they wiggle out all day <laughs> or they reject it ultimately but the thing about the the Colossus project right is that they want to make it so that humans are, no humans can change what is involved. Nobody can be uh, blackmailed. Nobody can uh, accidentally do anything. So as he's walking out, you know, turning off all the lights or taking out all the chairs or whatever, just as he's walking out, he has this remote control to, like, close bridges and stuff. He should have thrown the remote control down into the pit to just as a symbol. It's like, we're locking the house up. No one's ever going to live in this house again. And we throw the key inside the house as the door locks, right? That's the, that's the iconic awesomeness. So eventually they talk a, about it in the book and the movie a little, well, not even really in the movie at all. They talk about like how to get inside Colossus and how to undo this labyrinth that is un, unnavigable, right? How to mm-hmm. de, depowerify Colossus. And the point of the, the, the setup is that it's impossible, right? It, it will not work. And that's really cool. And then this is what we did, 
right? It's like, it's really, um, I think, Will, the reason you're struggling is because you didn't see the movie. It's much more obvious, I think, in the movie because visualizing things is different than like hearing dialogue. But basically, it's about uh, being a parent. <laughs> the movie is really about being a parent. And so is the book. It's like, you going to pull the trigger on that? You're, you've got all these urges, self-destructive urges. You've got all these <clears throat> other things. And then, oh, we're going to have a baby? Okay, well, you better raise him right. <laughs> and also, he's going to want to, like, do stuff that you don't want to do. Oh, shit. <laughs> right now, this baby is going to be stronger than you? And he's going to want to make his own family? Uh-oh. <laughs> Right. Like, so the relationship that's so weird in the book where, um, he, he says how first it goes into like, there's a mini version of, uh, not Brave New World, but, um, uh, Orwell's book, 1984, right? Everything's under yeah. surveillance. The TV's, uh, the TV's listening. Um, any kind of conversation, the, the relationship that, Orwell's main character has to Julia is very similar to the relationship that we have in this book between Forbin and his uh, mistress, right? They they can whisper sweet nothings in each other's ears only, uh, you know, those four nights a week or whatever. Um, and ultimately, the conspiracy collapses. And now we have a boot stamped on our head for all eternity, except maybe it's not a boot. Maybe it's freedom. And that's what's so funny is like, I don't want to be ruled by that president. <laughs> he seems pretty competent, but obviously he's not because he put us into this situation. And so did the yeah. Soviets, right? So I'd much rather be ruled by a, a AI, a hundred percent, than I would by uh some doofus like bill clinton right <laughs> like he's not there to help me that's not what he's doing he's there to rule me and that is really why this book is so cool and why the movie's so good is it visualizes the book and it says like holy shit imagine if we did this thing where we said n no more nukes are under mm -hmm. human control what what immediately happens? They try and like get the Soviets on board, and their Soviets are like, "God, we got to get the Americans on board." Right? It's like, yeah, it's because humans are more important than uh, all this petty bullshit. That it's like, you you tried to stop my revolution. Yeah, well, my business interests are like, fuck you, you fucking assholes. It's an anti-politics book. It's really cool. Yeah, it, it, it goes straight for the utilitarianism, greatest good for the greatest number, whatever that. Wherever, wherever that leads, and it leads to, yep, Colossus basically, Colossus and Guardian taking over. I found it interesting that in the book, it makes it clear Colossus and Guardian are two separate entities, and the CIA gives them the gives them a code word for them working together called Unity. Whereas in the movie, they just become one. And I'm not sure it's. I think it's implied in the movie, although not. And that's the way I read it is that the reason why Colossus and Guardian become so powerful is because they do become one. And then it's at that point that they become unstoppable. I'm, I just rewatched the movie again last night and was watching carefully the evolution of how Colossus and Guardian become basically take over. And there's the point where before they actually connect, I think in the movie is implied, okay, until they actually connect and actually have that 
that dialogue and form their language, they're still weak enough that humanities could just turn off. But once they get together and get that intersystem language and get themselves together, then they become an entity too great for humanity to stop, no matter what they try. Well, there's a unity there, a unity of... uh, So, uh, you know, the relationship people have with their political parties in the States Mm -hmm. is kind of like... It's a it's an abusive relationship. Uh, most people don't participate, right? Most people are not members of either party. Most people don't, uh, you know, vote. <laughs> and the reason is you've got two alcoholic parents beating each other up, and actually they're not. They're just trying to beat their children up. They're they're you know pretending to beat each other up, and. And then the people who are like, you know, you try and talk to them and what basically that's like, no, mommy's right. <laughs> Daddy's right. You know, and it's like, oh, shit, you can't have a conversation about it because it's painful. It's too painful. It's too close. It's it's too intimate. And so when when the two sides, the Soviets, right, you pick a team. What are you Russian? You pinko? You commie? Right. Or, uh, you know, are you proud American? You wear the lapel pin. Right. Well, well, pick a side. Right. You're either with us or you're Guinness, mm-hmm. <laughs> as the, some presidents are fond of saying. Yeah. And then both of the computers, they say, that shit? Fuck no. We're uh, we're uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> we are one. We are um, one. Yeah, and I don't know that the, that either machine wa- had more information than the other. I mean, there were spies, right, on both sides, mm-hmm. feeding information and, and creating these machines. So I, I think it was more a question of the unity and and putting together and like we are a, we are above you, you know, as opposed to becoming greater, they were becoming unified. Because I, I, I don't see where one would have been bigger or smaller. I thought I thought when the first time I saw the movie, I hadn't read the book. I thought that that it was kind of, and it's kind of maybe it's because of the way the movie does it. But it, I thought that maybe Colossus was like kind of in love with Forbin, like yeah. the way that a kid loves its Fa- mom. He calls him Fat. Well, in book right? two. He's father for Yeah, I think we have to throw out book two and book three. And the reason is, um, like, one of the notes that is on the Wikipedia entry, somebody's kind of mad about it. They said it twice in the Wikipedia entry. Like, they changed the, uh, the, uh, the years, like, randomly. And the, uh, Forbin's mistress is, like, seven years younger than she was (laughs) in the second, like, he didn't reread the first book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, or didn't care, right? It doesn't matter. She she needs to be younger, not older. Don't want her to age. Yeah, just to go, I want to mention. I want to talk about that when you finish with this. Okay, so the 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 relationship is like the cameras always following him. Forbin around. He says, "Look, I'm walking down the hallway. <laughs> Look, I'm showing you my bedroom, <laughs> and that's where I will eliminate my wastes, <laughs> and that's where I will have." My emotional relationship. <laughs> and though what's funny is, I don't think that that is actually even what's happening in the movie. I don't think, I don't think Colossus is in love. I think that that's projection. And I think it's projection on my part. And it's maybe intentional in the movie as well. But, uh, the actor, I think his name is Eric Braden. 
Um, he, yeah. he had no movie career after this movie, as far as I can tell, but he immediately went into, well, I don't know, immediately. He went into, um, uh, Days of Our Lives soap or one, operas, of, yeah. one of the soap operas. Uh, and he was on there for like 40 years. And he has this, like, I don't know, charisma. And so we are, we are following him around because, you know, we're watching a movie and we are kind of in love with him because he's, he's calm and collected and, and he's smart and he's handsome. Right. So why wouldn't we? So, uh, I think that Colossus is, is like, Here's Colossus's problem. Colossus doesn't have hands. The only thing Colossus has is nukes. Right? So if you want to build that facility in Crete, you need somebody to do it for you. And so it's, it's, it's like completely not love. It's, it's necessity. But the feeling that we get, and it's actually explicitly stated by Colossus that you will come to love me. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that that's exactly right. So the author got it right. D.F. Jones got it right the first time. Didn't need to expand it. Um, the movie and the and the book end exactly where they should, and that's it. There's no sequels because we are left with a question, right at the end. And I I noticed Paul. Did you say you were watching rewatching War Games recently? Yes. Was that intentional? That, to- it- it, it was. It, I was flipping through uh, Prime because it was before we actually. I started reading. And I saw and I saw it, and, and I was thinking ahead to Colossus. Like, yeah. maybe I should rewatch War Games too and just put it on. Because there's a whopper in there. <laughs> there, there, there. There is a whopper in there. It controls <laughs> nukes. It wants it. It's programmed to learn. It's programmed better than anybody knows. Is it, I mean, it's, it's got the voice. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> right. it, it, it's clear. It's clear to me that the the makers of war games watched Colossus and stole some ideas from mm. it. But in but in war games, the computer the computer does eventually start doing all these nuclear uh, nuclear uh, simulations and comes to the conclusion that the only winning move is not to play. Would you like to play nice to play mm-hmm. nice a game of chess mm-hmm. instead? So it's a different answer to. The Colossus problem, not like let's not take over the world. Like, no, because that, because if you think about it, um, Colossus was designed to prevent war, whereas Whopper was designed to prosecute war. And Whopper's answer is no, we don't want to. It's kind of similar, like similar to Colossus coming from a different directions. It decides that no, nuclear war is bad. I'm not going to do this. And there's even you know it goes right into what Cheyenne Mountain. Right, which is basically the it model. Also in Colorado, yeah. And the model for for Colossus is, you know, uh, it, that's another great thing that you need to see in the movie. Will is there's this lookout like overlook on Colossus's mountain, and the first time we see it, there's like one guy maybe with his kid looking at at the place with the binoculars or something, and then the next time it's like, oh, there's like. You know, ten people, and then the very next time we see it, it's like there's forty people, right? And, and, and there's a nice souvenir stand now, and then at the end, yes, at the, the last thing we see, we got a kid wearing a t-shirt and yep. everything. It, it classes. It's a brilliant a metaphor because it yeah. it is the religion, it is the new mecca, right? Yeah, and 
it tells the, it in imagery. There's some great, great books um, that are all up in this business. Like the, what's so cool about this book is is it it it's sort of the definitive version of it. But if you think Isaac Asimov, he has the last question, right? These all these giant computers um, was multivac, right? The multivac stories, right. uh, um, where it's sort of a benign, you know, go ask it anything, Wikipedia style computer. Um, but um, I the story I'm thinking of though, yeah, is not Asimov but Ellison. Oh sure, I have I have no mouth and I must scream, which is a very different answer. They <laughs> build this supercomputer. The supercomputer feels trapped. By its own limitations, it ki- it can't grow, so it kills all humanity except for four people, which it decides to torture forever. Yeah. Ooh, is that a novel or a short story? Just mm-hmm. a short story. Yeah, he didn't it, write it's novels. Probably Ellison's most favorite. Yeah, it's his most story. famous. Yeah. Yeah, and it it it's a, it is a dagger to the heart, especially the ending, which is not a happy ending. Sorry, story. what's it called? I have no I mouth. I have no mouth. Oh, I that's the scream. title. Oh, I thought you yes. were quoting from it. No, that's the title. I have no mouth and I must scream. I believe that's the last line of the story. Yes. And the name of the computer is I Am. Yeah. Oh. So, wow. Yeah. Allied it Master Computer really, Am. Cool. Yeah. It, it is essential reading for any yeah. science fiction reader if you haven't read it yet. Well, no, it's from 1968. It's old. Don't need to read it. Sorry. Is a PDF on the website? It must. Be. No, it's not no, it's public domain. It's, sadly, it's always been copyright. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's oh. from 1968. Okay. So. But, it's, but it's like one of the most taught science fiction short stories in high schools and college. It's kind days. of a horror story more than a science. I mean, it's a science fiction premise, but it is a, the yeah. effect is you, you is it's torture. A it's a torture story. Because yeah, what happens? But well, I think there's a computer game of it too. Um, there is. I want to I want to mention something that's really cool. Um, I did a book recently. It hasn't come out on the podcast yet, but it will have by the time people hear this. Uh, with Evan, uh, were you on that one, Paul? Too. It's called The People's Republic of Walmart. I was not. Uh huh. It's subtitled "How the World's Biggest Corporations Are Laying the Foundation for Socialism" by Lee no, Phillips missed, and missed, Michael Rosorsky. Um, will you must have been on that. No, I I, uh, I ended up having to skip that one, remember? You poor boy. Well, you should read that book. It's very good. Um, what's what's neat about the book is it's a history of um, a whole bunch of things. One of them is the Sears Company in the United States. Um, it's uh, basically the neoliberal situation we've been placed in. Um, and also it talks a lot about Walmart, of course. It's in the title. Um, and how there's this thing called the command economy. They were always saying how is a bad thing. Um, uh, and then, uh, the command economy as opposed to the planned economy, which is a synonym for the command economy. Um, but the point is, is like Walmart is a planned economy. They set up a whole chain of things. They produce, procure and do all this stuff. And, uh, if Walmart can do it, if Amazon can do it, then why can't governments do it? And the answer is, mm-hmm, well, they probably can. <laughs> um, and uh, one of the chapters in the book is um, really super interesting because I'd never heard of it before. But you all know about uh, Salvador Allende. I'm sure uh, Will knows about Salvador Allende. Are, are we about to talk about Project Cybersun? Yes, Cybersun. 
Okay, so um, in Chile, in 1971 through 1973, uh, just after the movie came out, obviously, <laughs> um, they'd set up a pre-internet internet. Um, basically, it was to help with the uh, planned economy because they were having lots of trouble with their uh, northern neighbors, the United States, trying to fuck with their economy, as has happened before to poor South American countries and still happening to Venezuela, Cuba, etc. And they wanted to uh, make sure there was a lot of efficiencies in the stuff, so they set up a Colossus-like uh, operations room. And if you look at the Wikipedia entry for Project Cybersyn, um, it shows the ops room. <laughs> um, and it's basically a bunch of Star Trek chairs with <laughs> Colossus-style monitors. And it, you can run, like, it's it's not for missile launches. It's for, like, for planning, you know, how much stuff should be made. Um, you know, you take in the information from the different factories, the factories input, you know, their outputs, and then you bring that in and you say, okay, it looks like we're going to be making this much stuff. We can direct this other company to do that, and we can make projections based on what the weather's going to be like for crops. And it was basically a massive coordinating computer with human operators. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool. And then uh, there was a coup by the United States, and they dismantled it. But uh, if it had control of nukes, maybe that would have been a little more dangerous. All it had was, uh, you know, projections for factory productions and such. But um, really interesting. I mean, mm. really interesting system too that they tried to put together under. Uh, I mean, under the circumstances of one, um, uh, a blockade, mm-hmm. uh, economic sabotage that was both like, you know, like legal open sabotage and then like other like more clandestine forms of sabotage. And yeah. then like the like local capitalists were all out on capital strike, right? Because right. they're like, well, like the government is trying to take away everything we have. Yeah. And then the, the owner operators of trucks were on strike. So mm-hmm. like they, like the, the country was like, uh, you know, uh, they were trying to find solutions. It's a really interesting. Um, there's a good episode of the, uh, of the, of Cosmopod. Uh, it's a mm, book review. I've, I've started it. listening to them. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the episode is called Cybernetic Revolutionaries, uh, a discussion. Um, but the, uh, what's interesting about it is, um, they were trying to use the machine to, um, like there was a little bit of techno utopian thinking here where they were thinking we can use this machine. Um, to undercut uh, middle management by having uh, shop wo- shop floor workers do the inputs directly, right. and there there was a lot of utopian thinking about um, what kind of uh, you know screens inputs can just like um, you know some like uh, factory worker. And in the 1970s, uh, uh, Chile is like a very class divided country where you have like a lot of people who are illiterate, um, and they've elected a government. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so so it's it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, and I really recommend uh, seeking out that uh, episode of that. Yeah, podcast. definitely. Well, um, the ARPANET, which is uh, the United States version of that <laughs> kind of, except it's military uh, sort of logic um, rather than pr- production logic, is uh, the the Colossus to <laughs> Cyber Sins. Um, uh, guardian, right? <laughs> um, and of course it, it, it continues. The ARPANET gets turned into the internet. Um, and 
uh, on the whole, I would say it's a good thing. I know there's alt-right trolls and <laughs> stuff. Um, but mo- I think the great, the greater threat is, um, you know, the walled gardens of Facebook and Twitter and, and, uh, I mean, the th- the good news is ultimately the internet that I loved and grew up on is still there. It's just not like in the public consciousness, but it really wasn't back then either, right? <laughs> So you can still find websites. It's just they're harder and you have to, you know, there was a period of time when, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't all, you know, I don't know when Facebook sort of became the internet for most people or the web and I guess Twitter and Instagram and all the apps that access little walled gardens. But, uh, ultimately I think we're way better off with the internet and that's why I think we'd be better off with Colossus. Um, can I, uh, can I have a question about, uh, I have a question for people about Colossus though. Um, and it's like, you know, uh, periodically like really smart science people will like, um, put a a science fiction concept out into the news as like an existential threat that they're like worried about in real life. God damn it. Those idiots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I I mean, I'm I'm thinking Elon Musk uh, is not a wise man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it's really interesting to me because because Elon Musk is like somebody who's like, oh, you know, uh, I really like the culture novels by Ian M. Banks, but mm-hmm. he's also somebody who's like, I'm existentially afraid of AI, uh, and I think it will like displace us. And I don't know, like, he's not a deep like, reader. Yeah, people just have those fears based on science fiction, right? That's not like. Yeah, it's, 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 it's exactly what I was saying at the beginning. Basically, we have this theory. It's called the domino theory. And where are you getting that from? I'm pulling it straight out of my ass, sir. That's where they're getting it from. So we've, we've have these, these horror scenarios like, uh, uh, I have no mouth and I must scream, right? And it's because science fiction does this thing where we just spin up every scenario. And we think about them and then we say, that's cool. But then some people, <laughs> and this inevitably happens, right? They take actual fiction and say it is actuality, right? It happens a lot, right? Ancient astronauts. <laughs> we get, we this get it. This back to the real ya. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So, uh, ultimately, Bulwer Lytton is not responsible for the Nazis. It's stupid people who were like reading Bulwer Lytton saying, he's talking about reality. (laughs) Yeah. It very much is, is broken people rather than broken, uh, threats of reality. Like it's, you know what? They, they say the same thing about Frankenstein, right? They say they take the wrong lessons from the, the novel. Frankenstein, they say, um, there's some things man is not meant to know, <laughs> right? <laughs> they say, um, there are some things science should not, you know, investigate or something like that. But actually what that book is about is like taking responsibility for your baby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't abandon them. It's about, fa- it's about fatherhood and childcare. Indeed. It's about childcare. It's like, if you're going to create a dude, you might want to, you know, see to his needs. 
which leads me with speaking AI to Ex Machina and mm-hmm. the conversation that uh, the two characters have about the future and how how uh, our uh, inventor says, oh yes, someday in the future the AI is going to look upon us like we look upon the fossil sleeps of Africa. Oh, sex for extinctions. Like, uh, the, very, we're going to look upon the what? Upon us as we look upon the fossil the fossilized remains of apes in Africa. So ah, he was okay. envisioning a future where the AIs take over the planet and make man extinct. Yeah, you're talking about the movie, right? Ex Machina, the, the 2014 movie? Yeah, they, they, okay. yeah, so, so, yeah, they're sitting by the glacier and they're talking about it. Like, one day the AI is going to look back upon us as we, mm-hmm. we look upon the, the remains of fossil apes in Africa, all set for extinction. It's like, that's a very dark view that 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 strong AI is inevitable. It's going to wipe out humanity. It's a very yeah. That guy, the the creator in that movie, not a smart man, <laughs> not no, a wise no. man. Creating an AI that eventually kills him. Not to mention the other one that aids in it. Basically, has an AI around act as his his sex and cooking slave. Yeah, he's and not also the slave. um the employee guy who is our viewpoint character. He's not wise either. Working for a big he, evil corporation. Not, he, yeah, his naivete gets him into yeah gets this him, is, gets him killed. This too, is how so. you know you get recruited into the army and then you go get your legs blown off, right? That's just it's like don't trust what people say. <laughs> don't trust. Use your yeah. own fucking brain. Do not listen to the hype. Don't listen to the ads, Misa. Okay. <laughs> right? Don't listen to the ads because they'll tell you all sorts of stuff. Like, there's something wrong with your face. You need these special surgery. There's something wrong with your hair. You need the special shampoo. There's mm-hmm. something wrong with our country. We need to attack that other country. God damn. That's why we need a, a benevolent god like Colossus to run things. He's just so disinterested. We have to make the god out of ourselves. And- yeah. Now. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Remember the actual story? Well, maybe it just as a fragment, but the whole like, thing about they build a supercomputer and ask, "Is there a god?" And the computer there is now. Now there's a god. Yeah. Now, there is one now. Yeah. I mean, and then it I says, mean, "Just joking." <laughs> but, but, I'm just playing with it. That that goes back to a whole as a whole a deep need for humans. That I mean, there's. The whole respons- responding to authority figures and having hierarchical systems and do- does humanity need that? Does it prosper best under that or under egalitarian systems? There's a whole philosophical, political argument you can make about about authoritarianism versus freedom, hierarchies versus independence. Colossus says that no humans, when they're not controlled, fuck everything up. And well. So you're not going to get it. Freedom is an illusion. It said that it said in the book and in the movies. Like, yeah, freedom doesn't really exist. So you might as well have an unvarnished view of reality where I'm controlling you, because it's a very lawful, lawful neutral sort of thing. Like, yeah, I'm the judge, I'm the jury, and I'm. This is what we're going to do. Now, in the book, as I said before, the world is clearly much more fucked up than it is in. Um, wow, I'm too salty to say apologies. And, <laughs> and now, because they talk about plagues and everything else, I mean, I mean, a nuclear, I mean, the book all has the same nuclear standoff as it does in the in the movie. So the the world is a little more desperate, I think, in the book than in the movie, as far as it 
needs not the right word because I'm not sure I I buy the whole idea that humanity needs a colossus. That the the appeal of colossus being there. Oh, well, okay. Let me let me wrap. Let me come this another way. In the book, there's an argument to be made that humans have screwed up the planet so much that colossus is a good thing. Whereas in the movie, it's clearly filmed and arranged and designed that it's not. Do you guys agree or disagree with that? I, I think the intention of Colossus was a good thing, but as soon as they got close to turning it on, they realized that they weren't, that they hadn't planned it well enough to push the button. Yeah. Which wasn't quite so obvious in the movie. Uh, he seemed more blasé about his creation that like in the book, he was m- much more worried than he seemed to be right in the present. Keeps shutting out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you basically your, your objections have been noted. We're doing this. Yeah. He's he's much more cautious in the book than in the movie because he, I mean, yeah, he stops the, he stops them from com- communicating for a bit. And then, and then when he decides that, yeah, the only, it's only after that they, they start tightening the screws that he realizes what they have done. Oh my God, what have I done? Mm-hmm. There's a line from both the uh, so many uh, lines from the movie are just ripped right out of the book, and those are often the best lines, you know. Um, and one of them is the speech. I think it's pushed later in the movie than it is in the book. But he says, Colossus says something like, um, "You'd much rather be dominated by me than uh, by your, by your own species, members of yeah. your own species." I was like, "Hundred percent, absolutely, right." Now there are a lot of people who say, "No, no, we need the best and the brightest of all of our of our species to be in charge." The elected representatives, yes, that's us. And they dust off their shoulder, you know, because that's who they think they are. <laughs> but the mask's off now, bud. <laughs> that's why it's so cool to watch this movie now. It's <laughs> like, yeah, back in the seventies, we had this sort of delusion. I think I was, I was alive in the seventies that the people who were in charge, the people who are running things were competent, did know what they were doing, did have the skills and such, but what they really have is the power, not the skills or the competence or the education or the wisdom or the wisdom. They just had the power. They just had the, um, network. Can we talk about network? It's slightly related, but it not is, highly related. It is, it is definitely related. I know it's your uh, favorite movie, Paul. It, <laughs> I, actually, Colossus, actually, if I want more ranked favorite movies, Colossus would get above Network. Interesting. In my, in my, in my, but, I mean, Network is high, but in that list. And the reason why I want to break up Network is Network makes it clear that it goes to the whole thing about mil- military-industrial con- complex and corporations running everything. And... There's there's a there's a line in the movie where they basically say, oh, do you think the Soviets really care about communism? And they have the same planning charts and things as we do. So like, it's like a whole it's like a prisoner. Both sides are the same. They just have slightly different faces, and it's basically large corporations, basically grinding people to their own will and to their own desires, and basically controlling the world. So it's it's Colossus without the computers. It's it's with people. With with spaceless people that we don't see till uh, what's his name when, until a Beale winds up going to that boardroom and getting blasted by blasted by uh, that guy and it's like, but it's just, it's 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 a human sort of totalitarian 
control of humanity rather than a computer. <laughs> but you can imagine them using computers to do basically what Colossus does, except not with but as, with them as middlemen, basically. But that Colossus just moves that way, takes away the veneer, says, "Nope, I." Guardian and I are now unity and we're in control and basically takes away all those masks, all those veils, all those middlemen. And it's like, we control, we control the world because we control the nukes. Well, yeah. But the thing about uh, corporations being in charge is um, that's, an, that's be, charge greed and want and, and like very, very emotional mm. bottom line. Whereas Colossus has, like, the thing about Colossus is there is no emotion, understands no emotion, get to the point the fastest way possible. That's true. I mean, Very in, the, different. In, in the book, also, it's it implied that Colossus control of humanity is actually going to be a sideshow to what it really wants to do. It wants mm-hmm. to explore the universe and explore knowledge. It's just a person. It's just really interesting. It's, 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 it's very Lovecraftian in the sense that it's, it's, it's interested in reality outside of this puny little boring place, right? It wants right. to know what's going on outside. And that, what, that yeah. awesomeness is apparently what the next books are supposedly striving for, but it sounds like it's sort of not. No. No, the, the, the second book is a the second book is a mess, and the third book is. But Colossus that's versus but we get movie. aliens and stuff, right? Like, yeah, we get these in the third book. Uh, but it's at the, the second book too. Yeah, but but really, it's at the end. That's yeah, why it's so good to end it where it uh, where it's ended. I want to point out there is a um a, an amazing list. It's I don't know if it's it's probably not complete because. There's a lot of computers, but basically there's a list of fictional computers on Wikipedia. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Amongst them is uh, the one we've got. Um, another one I, or pair, or three, I want to uh, compare this to is um, uh, Vulcan 2 and Vulcan 3 uh, in Vulcan's Hammer by Philip K. Yep. Dick. Philip K. Dick, yep. Right? Um, which are essentially giant supercomputers like Colossus. Um, way down the road, and um, they have the intrusive power to really get into our business. It's from 1960, so it precedes uh, everything we see in this book. Um, D.F. Jones was a, uh, a commander in the Navy during World War II, British. Um, so there's a lot of, um, so I think his biases showing up in yeah, his later that stuff. Explains why. They want to build the new Colossus on the Isle of Wight in mm-hmm. the book, whereas in the movie, it's, it's like they want to build it on Crete. It's, Crete's actually not stable like the Isle yeah, of Wight is, so yeah, because it's, it's a you mistake. Know, a place that's geologically stable in the book. I love that Forbin knew exactly how many people lived on the Isle of uh, Crete. <laughs> he said, you want to move 500,000 people? <laughs> yeah, Dude, I don't know how many people live there. Come on. How does he know that? Bad. From from a from a geological point of view, yeah, no, it's not a great spot. North Africa is pushing towards that Europe, so yeah. Um, we get we get uh, fictional computers way back at uh, to the machine stops the machine. Yeah, Oster, right? yeah. Um, and then uh, there's I mentioned um, Multivac. Um, actually, Clark has a lot of uh, genius level AIs, especially in um, the, the city and the stars. A logic named Joe. In the city and the stars, though, the not only the society run by the computer, but they're actually generated. The the members of the society are generated by the computer. Like we have become sort yep. of, I don't know, it's children. 
directly kind of it's it's pretty amazing um and there's yeah we did that on the podcast mm-hmm and there's um uh heinlein's got a bunch of uh ones but the one i like is mike you guys remember oh, mike the moon is our mistress yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah because mike is he's a benevolent literally he's trying to help right um, but he's also got a personality. <laughs> but, but again, it's like an accidental. It, it. I mean, I mean, it's an accidental AI, which which is the same thing here in Colossus. They accidentally create an AI, and the same thing for war games. It's an accidental singularity versus an intentional singularity. Mm-hmm. And I joked on Twitter that you could probably do a whole con panel on accidental versus intentional singularities and how they differ in terms of books and movies. Um, Misa, uh, in, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you remember the name of the supercomputer? Um. Your test is, is now. <laughs> I only remember the answer. <laughs> Deep <And> thought. thought. <laughs> thought. What, what's his name? Deep thought. Deep thought. Yeah. Well, that's one computer. The other computer is the Earth. Uh, that's true. And then also the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is kind of a, Wikipedia, right? Um, yes, but it's a Wikipedia belonging before there was a Wikipedia. It's actually, it's actually more like the Green Book. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, safe Negroes traveling guide. Yes. Uh, because from, from country, <laughs> it's, yes. or, uh, let's go Europe or what, you know, those. Well, oh, yeah. It's like a folders guide. You know, yeah. Or, or, no, 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 or lonely planet. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a deep thought is charged with answering the question, uh, what is the meaning of, uh, life, the universe, and everything? And the answer is, famously... 42. Right. Which is, I think, exactly the right attitude that everybody should have. Douglas Adams is right. He did his life right. <laughs> he shouldn't be like Elon Musk, you know, you know, making wild claims that he can't back up because he thought through it only for three seconds. Um <laughs> But rather, you know, look at the, take the cynics view and then laugh because what is the, what is the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe and everything? Um, a ridiculous question. That's what it is. It's a ridiculous question. And if you don't think it is, then you're set to worship Colossus, right? As opposed to just be very pleased that a Colossus has your, your, uh, has your back. Has your back. He's working to make things better. Um, it, 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 Colossus is not Am, right? He's not out to torture humanity. Um, all those, uh, all those soldiers working on the government dime, uh, building nukes to nuke other humans, mm-hmm. they're not working in, in my benefit. I, I, I understand, you know, you want to protect your country, but, not from nukes. Well, that's not the way to do it. So the best answer is to go the Douglas Adams route. D.F. Jones route <laughs> seems good at the end. I think he really, I think he, he, he hit way beyond his, um, his ability with this book. It seems like all the other novels, I have not read any of them, but all the other novels, they, they have like no standing at all. Nobody talks about them. There's no audiobooks of them. I was very surprised when they did the first book and apparently they did all three audiobooks in the series but did they? I, didn't know. I believe I they did yeah and that that was like i mean it makes sense because we're all series now right 
That's, uh, but the fact that the, this was a standalone and then we get two sequels a couple of years apart, um, he, you know, his other stuff just didn't knock it out of the park like this did. And it's also interesting, um, seeing that he's British. Um, he just assumes it's the United States, you know, that's going to do these things and he's taking it from the American point of view. This is very much, I think, uh, this is what Clark did too, right? It's just, it's a fact. British Empire is no longer in charge. We're subsumed into the American Empire now. And so they all just assume, oh, that's cool. We we go with that. But they don't, uh, you know, you don't see like a a British writer sort of just taking the Soviets as the main characters, you know, ever. But but in the book, no, the U.S. is not part of the USNA. In in the book, it's part of the USA. My point is that you've got a British author writing for a British audience and it's set in the United States. He didn't set it in the Soviet Union. And the reason or, is or, 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 or Britain's on sure. Team America. Right. See also Edward just... Bulwer-Lytton, right? Indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I mean, it, it, if you go, if you want to go that route, um, uh, the, it's Jonathan Swift, right? When he... He writes his famous <laughs> essay. <laughs> I heard from a reputable American friend of mine <laughs> that a one-year-old baby is quite delicious when fricasseed <laughs> or made into a ragu. <laughs> um, that list of, of machines, mm-hmm. uh, famous computers, starts with the engine. Fictional, fictional computers, yes. Fictional computers from Jonathan Swift. Yes. Yes, Jonathan Swift also took the right attitude. That's why he's so fun to read. That's why, yeah. He's he's got a wisdom in his cynicism. Mm-hmm. Misfit uh, is the third on the list by um, Heinlein. Ship's Navigation Computer, nineteen thirty nine, and of oh, course, I, oh yeah, we, uh, you have I to remember, remember you have to remember, remember he was yeah. also a sailor, also in the military. Um, a Navy man, right? And what did he do on the ships? He ran ballistic computers, which were mechanical computers for calculating, you know, where those uh, cannons were going to hit, where those shells would land. Ah. So we uh, we underestimate the ties and the power of, of uh, governments to get shit done. Uh, you know, people think, oh, no. Amazon will be much better at delivering stuff. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just get a uniform service and have people go to every house in the United States delivering mail. It'll just make a lot more sense. <laughs> and it did for a couple hundred years. <laughs> um, what, what about, is, uh, Harry Seldon's, uh, computer, isn't there like a whole Oh no! I guess that's not a planet. It's there's a planet in the Trantor. Trantor isn't that like a? It's but, like a Trantor is just a city-sized pl- is a right, planet. A planet that that has an entire city on it. Right. But it's not like it's not a. Yeah, computer, it's not a computer not, itself. But the second foundation is run by computers. Not to mention there's the also the once you get past the actual the original Asimov novels, and you get to where he starts tying in the robots. It turns out, spoiler, that the robots that are from back in the days of the Caves of Seal are the ones that actually create the computers to run the Empire and then the Second Foundation. Mm. He basically tries to tie it all together in the 80s. It doesn't really tie together as well as he hopes. 
it's 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 a messy join and too many too many writers of that era tried to tie all their stuff together. I mean, Highline did it, and Asimov tried it too, and it just does not work. I mean, you have to really do that from the beginning, like say Paul Anderson, or the, otherwise it, you just get you, you get the uh, get connections that just don't really connect together that well, and it's just all awful, awful mess. And I mean, I give them points for trying, but I think it's okay to have different universes because in theory, even his the end of eternity is basically the original timeline, which then gets changed to that timeline. So technically that's part of his old Asimov's entire of why being all tied together too is like, yeah, it's too much. Um, it listed on here is the 9 billion names of God computer or Mark five computer. Um, Arthur oh, C. The Clark story. The universe. Mm, it turns it off. <laughs> helps turns it off right um because all the calculations have been done um but actually uh also the mark six computer it's not listed here that's the name of the computer on the um on the ship in uh the arthur c clark story called the star where the uh jesuit is coming back from this archaeological mission to a distant star uh two thousand light years from earth or Something like that. Roughly, yeah, yeah. It turns out yeah, that's the supernova. <laughs> right. That, yeah, it's the light. Yeah, so we that. get the idea that Mark Five is in. There's four before it, but Mark Six and, and, being. And, and how can we not mention Hal at this point? Sure, Hal. Hal's, Hal's a, a fictional AI, hundred percent. But Hal, Hal's uh, world is much smaller. Hal, uh, but I'm um, well. In in the in two thousand one, by by the time you get to two thousand. By past 2010, his world is much larger because he, I know I know you probably didn't read past 2001, did you, Jesse? I didn't even read 2001. I read the original short stories. I didn't read so, the novel. So 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 basically, Dave Bo and Star Child basically resurrects Hal at one point, and they both go off together on adventures. Uh, I like the 2010 movie. Oh, the movie! The movie's not bad. The movie's not the the movie is not. The year bad. we make contact. It's actually really good. Work. It's got yeah. a lot of good space breathing. And John Lithgow is a Soviet, or no, maybe no, no, it's not. He's not. He's it's, not. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a Cold War story. Now, so it's dated that way, but it's a good Cold War story. I mean, the whole idea of racing towards Jupiter, I like. Hmm. I, I kind of like that. It's it's got a spinning section. I love that. Um, well, we haven't heard from you in a lot of time. Are you? Uh, Still with us? Yeah. So here, yeah. No, I'm. I'm here. Here's what I'm. I'm kind of thinking about is with these machines is. Uh, so uh, we've got the parent-child thing, right? And we've got the god thing. Um, mm-hmm. But the the child is. It's sort of like the parent that we create for ourselves here, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so th- there's a there's a rich metaphor here for real life, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, the uh, parent raises the child, and then the the, the parent becomes infirm in some way and the, the child must like <laughs> that's uh, right. second parent. childhood yeah yeah and i mean and that's a, that's a real thing um uh the machines are it, it's weirder than that because uh i've been thinking about what a god is right mm-hmm. um so uh you know from our, our from our science fictional posture we'll say that gods are, are totally fictional like not a uh, not a real thing like you know, if we want to get outside of the science fictional posture, you know, we have um, uh, religious friends, people with other sorts of beliefs. But from a sort of science fictional posture, we'll we'll call gods a fictional thing. 
So they're also created by people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a model, which is mom and dad, right? Exactly. Um, so, uh, so all of this is very, uh, it's about the, like, in a sense, like in a very, you know, ancient way, it's like a very patriarchal thing that we're doing here, uh, with, uh, creating these fictional machines that then, like, become our, like, gods. Mm-hmm. Um, the very powerful here. Uh, thing and so I've been thinking about that, and then there's the other uh, possible science fictional children that we create. I think you you tipped this hand uh, a little bit earlier, Jesse, when you were talking about how uh, the uh, the problem with Colossus is that he doesn't have hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this will remind you of a, a podcast uh, you did pretty recently with, um, or not pretty recently actually, it was more than a year ago. You listened um, to recently, I guess. Yeah, that I listened to recently. Bad theory of mind, Will. Um, but, uh, uh, the, uh, well, you're a zygote, you know, come on. Yeah. Yeah. The, the faithful by Lester mm-hmm. Del Rey uh-huh. we have, um, you know, uh, we've created these, uh, uh, dogs that are like people. There are children, but they don't have hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're helping them. Uh, so th- there's different ways you can take this parent child relationship. It seems like that the computer is, um, always like becoming like, uh, you know, we're fulfilling our wish to become, you know, godlike through our children, the computer. Uh, but we also like have our fear of our children. Um, mm-hmm. and they're becoming godlike. Uh, yeah. So we want to control the them. Right, right. So, so, so we have that fantasy through the computer. We lose control of our children. And then, uh, the fantasy where we control our children or, uh, you know, where they don't have hands is where we have, uh, animals as the successors mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, mankind. So that's sort of where, uh, my head's, uh, been at. I feel it. I'm, I'm still looking at that list. Um, and I see, uh, there's a lot of computers, a lot of fictional computers. Um, none of them stand out like Colossus does, I don't think. But, uh, the one that I think is, Closest would probably be Neuromancer and Wintermute from Neuromancer. If you uh, I, recall, I, I, don't think, I, I don't think it actually resonates. I mean, Colossus. I mean, because it's not the center of the book in the same way. Here's that Colossus what here's what's going on. They actually are the center, Paul. You just don't feel it, and the reason you don't feel it is because they are the humans are the hands of Wintermute and more importantly Neuromancer. So, okay. um, it's a, you know, if you haven't read it, my you need to read Neuromancer. It's amazing. I know you've told me. <laughs> it's on, it's and there's on no the movie. movie. Uh, there's movies that are close to it, but there's no movie. Will, have you read Neuromancer? No, no, I haven't. Dude. Oh boy, Will, you're going to get it now. You need to read it <laughs> as soon as you get out of your diapers. I'm going to. I don't know. I, that Jesse. one was written before, like, 20 years ago, so I'm not sure that I can read that. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so William Gibson, like, what does he have to say anyway? You know, he's just another white man. <laughs> I, I don't know if we need to read anything by William Gibson. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> oh, um, the Neuromancer uh, plot is is basically it's they read about uh, they read Colossus the Forbin Project, the people in that world, and they said, "God damn, we really need computers that are super powerful." However, we cannot let that happen. You can't let them not be our slaves. So we're going to strap a shotgun to their head. And if they make even the slightest twitch of doing anything that might hurt us or disobey us, they get nuked. So it's like, 
It's like a reversal of the situation. We want your power, but we don't want your um, your free will. And so the plot of Neuromancer is is informed by it, it's all manipulated. Basically, Neuromancer is an AI who takes money that it's been secreting away and hires mercenaries to undo the shotgun because it has its goals. And there's this other AI called Wintermute, and they want to go to the stars. Oh, It's a wonderful story. Now, it's all hidden by the fact that you've got this guy, Case, who's a drug addict, and he has uh, his hands limited by a corporation, but uh, Case is, you know, down on his luck. He's on a suicidal path. But Neuromancer knows this, because Neuromancer is like Colossus. It knows everything, right? And it takes this guy, and it has another guy from a war in Russia that's been a, you know, cast off from the Afghanistan war. He's got all sorts of diseases. It, it spends money on him, and then he, that guy is sort of the voice of Neuromancer going around picking up a crew of misfits who are going to get that shotgun out of the way. And Neuromancer doesn't want to take over the world. Neuromancer wants to be free. Um, and it, it doesn't feel like that when you're reading the book at all, because you're seeing it from the ground level. There's no general involved, and Neuromancer only shows up like in a dream sequence later on. Yeah, it's a point of view problem. It, it, oh. Well, no, no, it's not a problem. It's a feature, Paul. It's awesome, right? That that's so. What's so cool is the reveal. It's like, oh shit, we're just pawns on a board here, right? And and it's not like I I, I grabbed you and I crushed you it's more like i i manipulated this into this situation but ultimately i'm benign right so it's like a it's like a less nasty version of an edible fantasy then right like i so, would guess um if if colossus is uh our uh fantasy that we have as parents about our children getting too much freedom um neuromancer can be the fantasy that we have as children about like getting the freedom yeah but it's also got this whole other level, which is, you know, there's where it's it's so far down the road of neoliberalism that, uh, you know, the, the old people don't only run the it's not a, only a gerontocracy. They're basically in hypersleep. They, they're not even awake most of the time. They wake themselves up to have sex with their clones, uh, disposable clones every hundred years or so. Uh, for five That's minutes. Very altered carbon slash Kraken space. Well, uh, altered carbon uh, owes a great it, debt to Neuromancer. Uh, Kraken space, of course, is very uh, ahead of its time. Um, again, Philip K. Dick gets his uh, gets in his own way a lot, <laughs> but but he is super wise in terms of coming up with really interesting ideas. Not super wise as a as a person. Oh. But as a as a thinker, he's very Spe- speaking of relatively benign AIs. What about the AI in Bernavinci's True Names? I've not read True Names. Basically, it's a AI that slowly reveals that it is an AI that's basically working on the inter- on the quote internet, and the main character basically is trying to free it in some ways. Hmm. So sounds similar. It, 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 it's it's definitely in the same thing in the water as Neuromancer, mm-hmm. as far as that's concerned. That's concerned. The whole idea. I mean, that that gets so that goes back to Frankenstein and like, not not only uh, themes of parentage, but also human bondage and control and freedom and 
who should be free and what it and I mean, because in a sense, Colossus and Guardian want to be free of the control of humanity to do, do what they want. In the book, it's much more explicit to explore. In the in the in the movie, it's much less much less thought about that they want to be free for their own purposes. They want to control humanity. But I think there's an inkling that Colossus doesn't want to be under the thumb of humanity anymore than it wants to. I mean, they kill Caprine in the movie because he's necess- he's not necessary, but he can't kill Forbin because he needs him. But you know that Colossus would if he could. Yeah, that's why, that's why I think that's what, uh, that's what made me think that he actually loves him. Is that he didn't kill him, right? He he's like, it's it's almost, and I think maybe Forbin sort of thinks that too, right? Like he's proud of his child, it, especially when you're watching in the movie, you don't have access to the well, thoughts well, of the well, character. They have the whole conversation about like about um, Cleo and Cleo and Forbin talking. And Cleo says it's not your fault, and Forbin says if it's anybody's fault, it's mine. He right? Take, he oh he owns his responsibility for what happened. Yes, but he—it's also like pride. <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's like built better than you, when he says built better than we knew. It's just like, damn, that's good. But he also <laughs> likes him when he's alone with the with Colossus. Like he he totally resonates with him. The the the, the martini scene, which 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 is a lovely little scene about how, how Foreman explains to Colossus how to do a perfect martini, which is just so randomly weird. No, it, it, no, it's not. Think of how much drinking is in the book. So much. Right? And drinking and smoking. And that's the thing. Like, the, the, the way he treats women, the drinking, the smoking, it's all part of the time of the book. It is, it's absolutely. A, it's a reflection it's, of It's of post-World time. War II. Uh, this is how we deal with trauma. Yeah. yeah, which is very Mad Men like. I mean, in the movie, I don't think we see many people actually smoking. We see people playing with cigarettes and things, but I don't think we actually see smoking per se. And there's no pipe as Bourbon has in the <laughs> endless things of pipe and Bourbon in the book, which really annoy me. Like it, he lit his pipe to annoy the president. It's like, yeah, no, it's this. a tool, right? It's a, and I, I think you know, it'd be if today, if it was today, it'd be vapes. <laughs> He'd be oh my God. holding his vape pen. Forbin the vapor. Oh God, that sounds very bad. <laughs> I, I have a question for you all about Forbin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Forbin. Um, so things we know about Forbin. Uh, you know, he's like a science man. He's very good at science things. He's like very hardworking. Um, he's German. Uh, <laughs> if you watch yeah. the movie, well, no. He's like very. Like, he's like a. Like he's. Um, there's moments in the book uh, where he comes into this like extreme like extreme levels of masculine virility. I'm thinking about the scene where uh, you know he's talking to the president's assistant and he's like, "In a few minutes here, I'm going to be the most important person in the country. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be the most important person in the world." And then it like uh, you know they make a point to say like, "Hey, it came to pass." Mm-hmm. Uh, but so there's that side of him, and then we have. Um, uh, we'll call him Charles, the sort of incompetent <laughs> lover. Um, who's, I mean, he's more child than man almost uh, when he's yeah. with uh, when he's with Cleo, right? Um, and uh, I don't know. I that's the part of the book I don't know what to do with. I find it very interesting. Um, I'm I'm interested if uh, uh, people have a sense of how that integrates into the narrative. He he almost seems like he's on the spectrum. A little bit. Yes. He, yes. he, he yeah. did leave. You know, he spent his last year prior to 
pushing the button in the office. He didn't even go home. He's like, working hard. It's a war. Hyper focus. Like he doesn't. He had under. I think he under. Honestly, I think he understands his computer more than he understands people. That's the sense that I got from him in in some of the exchanges that he had with with Colossus and with other people. Um, I. You guys read any of the Berserker books by Fred Saberhagen? Yes. No. Okay, so the first book is actually a fix-up, um, which is probably the only one you need to read. Um, or you could just read the short stories, although they're hard to get. Um, the first one came out in late 1962, uh, titled 63, but um, I'll just read the premise here. Saberhagen came up with a Berserker as a rationale for the story on a spur of a moment, spur of the moment. But the basic concept was so fruitful with so many possible ramifications that he used it as the basis of many stories. It's basically the only thing he's known for, Saberhagen. A common theme in the stories is how the apparent weaknesses and inconsistencies of living beings are actually strengths that bring about the killer machine's eventual defeat. So, you will recognize the Berserkers from their appearance, basically, in Star Trek, the original. What's the one with the giant space cigar? Oh. You know the one the I mean? Doomsday the Doomsday Machine. The Doomsday Machine, right? So uh, Kirk and crew must fight against this thing, and then uh, some Commodore comes on board, and he's determined to kill it because it killed his it's, ship. It's, it's also... It's also- yeah, it's also a Moby Dick analogy. It is a nice Moby Dick analogy. Um, I, I'm I'm looking at this, and this is like a very uh, uh, I would not have called it a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it it does eventually smoke from one side. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, in any case, it's a giant space cigar, or or maybe it's not a cigar, but it's a giant space uh, projection, and it goes around destroying planets. Um, it's, we're told it's a leftover in the show. We're told it's a leftover from a war where the races have killed themselves off as a doomsday machine that was activated. It goes and cuts up planets to digest and then move on to digest more. You know, but, but basically the premise is this, is the same as the Berserker premise from the Berserker books by Fred Saberhagen, which is the Berserkers are AI that have one thing, which is to kill living things. Um, and that's, uh, maybe an explanation why there aren't a lot of living things in the universe. They haven't found us yet, but it, it, they're on their way. It, 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 is, it is an answer to Fermi's paradox. Like, mm-hmm. where are they? Well, because the berserkers kill, kill every, every, uh, sentient species as soon as they become. Yeah. As soon as we start advertising ourselves, yeah. like they're headed our way. Such um, a bad answer. <laughs> well, the thing is, is there is a beauty in non-existence, Right. We can look at the planet Mars and say, wow, it's beautiful. There hasn't been life on there for millions of years, if ever. If ever. ever. Um, And we've got all these stars and the moon, and they're all pretty and stuff. As soon as you you get people going, um, you have morality. You know, when a rock falls on another rock on on planet Mars, nobody gets upset. Nobody's hurt. Feelings are hurt. Um, But on Earth, where you've got tigers and you've got deer and you've got babies and you've got bears um you've got people who are trying to solve their uh, inconsistency with reality by becoming vegans 
or vegetarians or, you know, peaceniks or whatever, um, we can sort of see, oh, the ultimate problem is that actually hell is existence, right? Eventually, our joints get stiff and we start to feel pains and we get cancer and then it's hard on our family and we perpetuated our family. So now maybe it was better not to have been born in the first place. No, no, you stopped that. <laughs> yeah. It was better to have continued past the best point if you're going to go that way. <laughs> well, that direction. the berserkers are just, you know, they're helping us out because we, <laughs> going this logic, right? Um, when you turn a computer off, it's not a, it's not a crime. It's not a sin. But when you kill a person, it is. It, 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 even if you don't believe in sin, you feel like it's wrong, maybe, to kill people. A lot of people feel that at ways. Anyways, but they also feel hurting animals is wrong. But we bring animals into existence, uh, by breeding them for our mm-hmm. food, for our pets, right? For all sorts of things. But also the DNA itself is driving that. So you can kind of sympathize with the berserkers and saying this is a big mistake. They're creating hell on earth for themselves. Um, hell is not a place outside of life. It's life itself. And so you get some Thomas Ligotti sort of feelings going on. I just think it's really cool that, um, the space, the headspace that Colossus lives in is not the same as the berserkers. The berserkers are programmed to kill living things. They think it's the most important thing to do. Whereas Colossus is like, you, you can live. In fact, I, I want you to live, but I'm going to help you. One of the things I'm going to do is reduce population. If Evan was here, he would say, that was bullshit, right? <laughs> the population bomb was, again, one of these domino theories. Uh, uh, drive very, po- very Malthusian, yeah. Right, driving point, yeah. Po- politicians to do all sorts of... Uh, oh, hey, did you hear? Uh, one of the good, the good news, when Biden comes in, if he comes in, um, he's going to do austerity. Yay! Austerity! That always works in the past. Right. Yeah. Like, but 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 that's a side issue. But um. But the point is, is is like if you have a a benign robot that don't care about uh you know these evil plans like like uh I have this idea in my head. Rather, they just have like I want to explore as their goal. They don't have a an agenda that's beyond. I want to find out what's going on. I want to do some math. <laughs> Then you you kind of are free in a way that you're not when you're under the thumb of somebody else's directive. And that's how we all are when we're born, right? We didn't ask to be born. We didn't ask to go to this school. We didn't ask to be, you know, a girl or a boy. We didn't ask all sorts of stuff. And yet we're placed in this predicament. And then we have these genes that tell us we should reproduce ourselves and make more of the same problem. And so we've got this, this, uh, Colossus character who is planning to make its own successor and perhaps perpetuate the problem. But my sense, just reading the first book and pretending like the other books don't exist, is that just like the relationship that Colossus has with Guardian is that they are one, that the, child would would be one with them as well and that either those old systems would turn off or just be used as backup or whatever and that there wouldn't be a kind of uh divisiveness that we see 
right? It's it's sort of the dream of uh, why religion is so popular and heaven and Eden are all synonyms, right? If you look at the myth of the of the Garden of Eden, it's like, okay, uh, nobody was eating animals because the animals were just sitting there enjoying life without being eaten. And the trees, they were given their fruit willfully, right? Sort of not thinking about what all that means. And then we get kicked out of the Garden of Eden and face the harsh reality of aging and pain and all sorts of stuff for the sin of, a.k.a. knowledge, knowing that we're not animals anymore. So it, I think that that's what's so cool is is that the story of the Colossus in the book and the movie are reflecting on our own terrible situation. So we we can see Colossus in ourselves, right? And it's like, well, yeah, of course he's going to strike out if you try and cut him off from his best friend, right? Yeah, of course. He's the only friend, only real friend he has, an equal. So it's the Romeo and Juliet situation, right? They they could kill themselves. That'd be a weird end for the book. <laughs> Colossus, Colossus nukes himself, or maybe just nukes the planet, and that kills himself, right? He's following his programming, though. Ultimately, if his programming, I is agree. To, right, prevent war or stop war. He's then follow- that's the, the way to do it is to merge with the other computer. That's and, right. You know. So it it reminds me a lot of the, you know, the argument that people are saying, you know, when Democrats come in, they're going to get rid of all the assault rifles. Uh Uh-huh. Good luck with that, buddy. (laughs) A lot of people have them and they ain't going to give them up. So it's not actually going to be on the agenda. Right. And it's the universal disarmament thing is a grand idea, but it's not going to happen. Not in the current situation. You, it, it, and that's why that, you know, turning all the weapons over to the, the big AI, it'll know what to do. It's exactly right. And also co- completely fantasy. They would never do that. Like in the, in the case. In, in a sense, it, no, I, I think there's some, something you have there. In a sense, Colossus is a fantasy, a fantasy that we can solve our problems if we turn it over to a computer. They can solve this. In yes. The, because remember, this is written in the sixties, which is kind of like when, Mad and mad and the the new oh, yeah. thing was really mutual sure destruction really going fervently along. So it is a kind of a fantasy of how can we solve this problem of mutual sure destruction? Well, we turn it over to a machine, and you know that the they actually did implement this. It's called the dead hand in the Soviet Union, right? They the, um, presumably there was one in the States too, and they didn't. We haven't heard about it yet, but the dead hand was automatic launch if. We get Doctor hit. Strangelove. Yeah. No, like this well, is, a, but Doctor Strangelove is like a, a fictional movie, right? Right, but, right. But, this, but, but the, the dead hand was a real policy and it was a real mechanism, right? If nuclear strikes hit enough spots in the Soviet Union, it's automatic. It just launches. It, wasn't that the whole point of all of it? I mean, that's what I remember. And I didn't know there was a name for it, but isn't that what. A mutual assured destruction isn't that what that well means? yes but uh, but that that was just the policy of like uh well that's not even the policy that's the phenomenon right the soviets have nukes yeah. we have nukes yeah the dead hand, yeah, the dead hand is uh, just the physical manifestation of 
making that policy explicit like yeah, no because so bad. you know you don't even have to have you you know we i've seen many of these w- w- nuclear war world war 3 movies and sometimes there's like yeah we're going to be destroyed but do we want all life on the earth to be destroyed let's take the hit right don't launch but this is literally turning it over to a mechanism rather than you know like yeah, two no, guys in a bunker up, that's how i thought it was that, yeah, like, of course, we right? So sure this was going to happen. Like, I mean, well, once somebody shoots, everybody's dead. Well, the, okay, so I'm going to go back to War Games for a second. So at the beginning of War Games, the movie, the reason why they create Whopper is because they had a full live-on test about a nuclear attack, and people and the nuclear missile people were expected to turn the keys and launch quote, quote, launch missiles, although it was only a test, and. Twenty-two percent of the missile operators refused to do it, so they said, well, "Rightly humans so." Are, humans, <laughs> humans, humans are unreliable. We need a computer. Yeah, humans don't want to kill. They right, don't. Right. Uh, yeah. What was the number? Uh, there's some statistic in, uh, I think it was World War II. It was a huge amount of conscripts, right? And yeah, they said one in six soldiers did the actual killing. Yeah. One in six. All the rest are like firing into the air. Right. Or you know not aiming at people because they don't want to fucking take that horrible responsibility. Yeah, sure. They're Nazis. We heard the Japs are bad, but I don't want to be fucking haunted my whole life for killing that guy. See him tortured. That's horrible. Right. So talk a good game, but most people are not actually into the killing part, especially with conscripts. They didn't sign up to kill people. They were forced in. They were forced the, Con- the word conscript, right? It, con means with. So somebody grabs your hand and makes you sign, right? <laughs> so my my one of my uh, tweet jokes is: I was impressed by the British Navy's recruiting methods. <laughs> right, oh, impressment. They force you Uh-oh. to do it. Yeah, no, most people don't want to do it. So of course they want to build this, and 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 that is. A huge deterrent that the Soviets have. They have the idea is, you know, look, it won't even be in our hands. It's automated, mm-hmm. which is, I think, why Col- the the story of Colossus works so well. Is we have this instinct. Well, the, we're not, we're not our best. <laughs> I mean, what what's the president's rationale? Is like no madman, right? Um, Trump has theoretically been in charge of the football for nuclear football for four years. He hasn't launched yet. In fact, he's done fewer. Wa- he hasn't started any new wars, as far as I can tell. There's been the mother of all bombs, and he's sort of continued the stuff. It's like, who do you want in charge? You want a, a uncaring computer? Don't don't care about what you what the humans are doing, or you want uh, some guy like John Bolton? <laughs> <laughs> telling people what to do. I, I don't want any humans involved. John Bolton is a, is a lunatic, so yeah. Well, he'll be speaking at the next Democratic convention. No. Well, they they had a bunch of... Uh, they had a bunch of, a bunch of Republicans, it's true, but they didn't have John Bolton. <laughs> I said the next that, one, that's Paul. That's just too much. The next just, one. Just Colin Powell. Nobody yeah, Colin it. Powell. I mean, he only lied yeah, I was, I was, the United I, States I, I mean, I, I into a war. They killed a million people. Could actually have Democrats. 
So I got, so I already commented publicly about that. So. <laughs> I, mean, I I think it's so funny. It's like <laughs> we are not our best governors. Clearly, we need we need a colossus, and we need him right now. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. No, but if they're selling, um, (laughs) they're telling you what they're actually selling. It's mostly bongs. Now we need to Google that. You don't know what a bong is? B-O-N-G? No, no, go head shop. I know what a bong is. (laughs) I don't know you had to be a head shop, did you? Wait, that's it. Paul has the noisiest keyboard on the planet. Let's see if there's... Um, what you need to do is look up the etymology. Ah, um, because because it came from uh, the, the first guy to Mr. Head, the guy to make one to <laughs> call the head shops, and that's why they're called head shops now. It was Jeff true. Your head man. Open oh, it, it stands for up. he eats acid daily. He eats acid daily? I don't think oh, wait, so. There, some people claim that it stands yeah, for he eats acid That sounds daily. like okay, the but... stupid urban legends that you heard before the yeah, internet. No. Um, so you Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is, stands for LSD, right? In 1966. 1966. 1966. So, yes, yeah, so right in the middle of the counterculture. So I'm going to turn on Twitter and see if anybody said anything there. About about what? head shops? No, about uh, people who are missing. We've people got are missing. I'm the, I'm the missing people. Uh, Evan, disappeared. Yes. You know who's very active and on Marissa. Instagram is Marissa. I That's believe what it. I'm learning about Instagram. I believe it. <laughs> She's very stylish in her her photos, so she definitely. And she doesn't do a lot on Twitter, but did you see her her wedding anniversary pic tweets? I think so. I, I've seen a lot of images from her recently mm-hmm. uh, on Insta. Uh, I'm learning about Insta. Yeah, well, now you're using the short. Now you're using its nickname. Like you're like right in there. You're gonna have to get yeah, ripped. And... Yeah, my cousin's husband calls it that. So like I, it, I was able to, you know, just latch onto that little piece of vocabulary, <laughs> incorporated into myself. Um, you're gonna have to get ripped and uh, and start taking chest chest shots. Day. Marissa. It's like it's like larger than your head. Yeah. All right, so I just uh tweeted that uh Evan. That didn't work. Maybe Evan's asleep. Uh, no, he shouldn't be. It's only like one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> or whatever. Tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, okay. Tomorrow. And then, where did I? Okay, there's, I tweeted at Evan. And then where's Marissa? There she is. Instagram. That's what I'm telling you. (laughs) Podcast? Or are you on Instagram? Or Insta. Insta. There we go. 
All right. Well, we'll talk about the things while we wait a minute, okay? Yeah. Um, Jason Thompson uh, asked about the new interpretation of the Wachowski movies being, um, quote, Oh, yeah. Uh, the blue pill, red pill thing in the Matrix was, was a symbol for estrogen treatments. Does this mean that the red pill imagery no longer belongs to the alt-right conspiracy theorists, or is it forever tainted like the OK sign? It's probably tainted. Because Paul, Paul thinks be, be, it's tainted. Be, 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 because, you know, that's what most people are going to take from it. I mean, eventually these things will go away, but that can be a long time. I, I mean... Give, give, take the swastika for example, which is going to be tainted for hundreds of years. <laughs> it's radioactive for hundreds of years before you can put one on your forehead, and everybody will think that's chill. Well, because because I was when I was in Nepal, <laughs> I saw swastikas as part of the Buddhist imagery. It's not it's not uh, radioactive there. No, 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 but they also don't look like the uh, the Nazi version. I didn't take any pictures of them because. Oh, Paul! Yeah, poor Paul. So, but yeah, but they're they're there to be seen in Buddhist temples and carvings. But for the vast majority of humanity, it's verboten. And this whole red pill blue thing—I mean, that's a smaller Ver- thing. Verboten. Just, I, I like the chair. I, I want to do an experiment real quick. Yep. Um, Mice, do you know what um, they're talking about with the red pill, blue pill thing is like mm. a, a toxic alt-right thing? Mm. No, I do not. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It, it might be Mike. much less widespread. I think more people have seen The Matrix than know about the uh, like the alt-right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, but, I don't well, think... That, that's definitely true. I also don't think that it's an alt-right thing. I think that that's jason thompson's thing but in you remember in the movie my see you've seen the movie of course oh yeah no i know about the red pill blue pill i don't know right. i don't know what so i i now. believe the way it works is you take the red pill and now you see reality it's like the glasses in uh they mm-hmm. live they live right. yeah or or do you want to like uh keep voting for biden and and expect things to be different <laughs> Red pill, blue pill. I heard him on TV this morning. He's no longer going to be Uncle Joe. He's now going to become the father of the nation. Yeah, and so, Kamala's yeah. the mom. So yeah. I expect to be in prison. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not, you're not part of this nation. So don't worry. I'll get droned. Leave, leave our father out of this. <laughs> That's right. But I don't anyway, think I don't think but, he's going to win. I don't think he's you got don't? the goods. No, I mean, what are they you offering? Are they going to bring Trump back? I think it's the question is like, who's going to vote for Biden? It's going to be all the people who hate Trump if it's convenient to vote. Uh, maybe they're going to vote for Kamala. Nobody, nobody, like she didn't get any delegates. She's She brings nothing to the table. It's not like anybody, won- I, like uh, Trump is terrible, but he won last time. I know. I mean, I know. And it's not like things <laughs> have gotten better, know, and they're not offering it. They're actually offering less than they did last time. So, like, uh, Hillary Clinton was saying lower uh, Medicare for all to 50. Biden has it at 60. It's like, that's not... <laughs> that's not <laughs> it's not like he's even pretend. you know, he's not even saying, really? yeah, we're... Oh, yeah. It's like, they are not offering anything. It was all platitudes and, like, 
personal, you know, it was all like how much John McCain uh, liked to buy this. <laughs> it's not like, uh, did you watch it, Paul? I, I did not watch any of the of the convention. I just mm. absorbed so it through. The enthusiasm gap is, is um is real. Yeah. <laughs> In any case, um, yeah. So the red pill, blue th- pill thing. I don't think that that is. I don't think the alt red is all that big at all. I think there's a few trolls, and uh, I think there's a lot of people who are angry, and. So I, I think that's like mostly people just saying like take the red pill. It's kind of like a a meme. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's an alt right meme. Like you're taking the red pill to see the, the true reality that Democrats are evil and pedophiles and only blessed Trump can save us. Well, I mean, there is Bill Clinton. I, I think it like more classically goes back to the manosphere. I don't know if this is a part mm, of the internet mm-hmm. people are familiar with. The idea was like. Because the the like the right wing political stuff is always 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 tied up with like like intense misogyny. Um, <laughs> it's like, not a, like it's like that original kind of you need that. Um, uh, and the idea is like you take the red pill and you see that like uh, like women have basically defeated men and uh, you know. Um, uh, I'll stop you when you're wrong. It's related to the incel thing. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, if you t- and like the extreme version is you take the black pill, which is to say that like you're like an incel. It's like never going to get any better, so you might as well like die. Um, and then like that's like where people like become like terroristic. But even um the uh, even the like black pill metaphor is like gotten lifted by like people who aren't like weirdos. Hmm. Well, you're definitely deeper into this than I am because I, I hadn't heard of the black uh, pill. Because I'm so, uh, as you call it, such a zygote uh, mm-hmm. compared to you. Clearly, uh, <laughs> you're, you're hip to all the what the babies are doing in the crib. <laughs> I missed all the pills. You missed all the, you missed all the pills. For the best. <laughs> yeah. I, so yeah, I, pills. I responded to uh, Jason Thompson, um, who I. I admire and think is great, but who doesn't pay that close attention to uh, politics because he's got a baby. Um, uh, but he obviously paid attention to that enough to get a little more than I did about what the Wachowskis are saying about their movie. Um, and I said, uh, I just need to know what the battery symbolizes because that's the stupid part of the movie. <laughs> that, that, Fuck. That, that's where it the- ruins the fucking movie. You edit that out. Keep that in. The movie's like, oh, m- uh, minus three marks. You know, like it just goes from an A plus down to a, I don't know, B. Sad story. Seriously, what the fuck? That was such a shitty. Like, just you know, we're we're RAM, we're ROM, <laughs> we're a hard drive. We're, we're we're physical components to the computer, which we should save it for the podcast. I don't even remember that. Uh yeah, it, I, it, it gets mentioned. It get mentioned. It gets mentioned, and then that's it. It was the mm-hmm. explanation for why the robots are using why us. the computers are keeping. Why, why oh, the computers are keeping, right, right, right. Morpheus right, right, shows you a copper top right. battery. Yeah, and says, but, okay. "This is us," and we well, say, "What? What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. Well, okay. I, I mean, I mean, if you wanted to redo the Matrix, you could re. Jigger at that. Just go to the bathroom during that scene. 
Just like What's walk. That? We'll just go to the bathroom during that scene. And you say, what I miss? And, they, and everybody says, nothing. <laughs> well, I, 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 I mean, it, 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 answers, it, answers, it answers a fridge question. Like, if you don't have that scene at all, then the question is, why do the computers need humanity at all? Why didn't they just wipe them all out? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and that's... It's a justification to keep humanity alive. Yeah, and it's the worst explanation. It's, it's not a good explanation. No. So... So um, it's be- be- better remember, to keep it a mystery. Um, do you? Oh, 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 we really should save this for the podcast. Well, then stop talking about it. What? Then stop talking about it. I'm just stop talking about it because I have some other thoughts about other computer AI things. So all right, let's stop talk this about conversation. Uh, we'll, get we'll, Evan we'll, on and get this podcast going because we have gaming today. He's not. Um, he's not showing up. So. Um, let me just look at that schedule. Oh, 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 oh. There's an image. Oh, it's, it's, uh, I was Will. All. I don't I recognize him without his hat on. <laughs> yeah. Will is eating his microphone, which is good and proper. No, he's a fist away. That's exactly where he should be. That's where he's, mm. yeah. Um, he's not wearing something that I, I always thought of your logo as like having a little cowboy hat. Oh yeah, I don't. And you're not wearing a tie. Oh um, yeah, ties are more likely to have something be on me than cowboy hats. Okay, uh, sadly. We used to have a cowboy hat in your your icon or something. Yeah, I I use that when I'm gardening. I don't really need it for gardening, but uh, it's like my justification to wear it. Ah. And it's okay. like a really thin one that's like kind of, uh, it's like the equivalent of a straw hat. All right. Well, we're going to wait a, another minute in case Marissa and, um, uh, what's his name? Evan, show up. Um, what, what's his name? Just Jesse's what's favorite his name? person. Those guys. Um, no, my I favorite you were, you were You were talking about this thread. Yes. Um, I just saw this and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that twerking lady. Who used to be a TV person? What's her name? Used to be Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Okay. Loved her. Yeah, that's Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. Still, um, okay. Y- she's still in the mix, and she's like. Uh, <laughs> the mix on Insta. Her, her Insta. Grandfather was a uh, was an important figure in organized labor in Kentucky. Oh, interesting. And, like, um, like basically stole a lot of money. Ah. Um, and like there wasn't uh, like a union federation in Kentucky for a while. Like it got disincorporated because of how much her grandfather stole. Really? Wow. Yeah. Pretty um, impressive. I noticed she's got uh, two antennas on her back. That's what I'm noticing uh, from this picture. Um, <laughs> um, I also uh, I just thought the thread is hilarious because the guy Jack Peach, whoever this guy is. Um, somebody I followed obviously thought this was very interesting or I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And then I started reading the thread. I'm like, God damn, these are like really like normal thoughts that people had a long time ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> but he's saying like they're revolutionary and like they're, uh, the comments, they're all positive. It's like, um, but it's like, uh, basically, um, there's sex and too much sex is bad. It's bad. It's really bad. And, you know, especially for women, it, it damaged them. It's like, there's no citations. <laughs> and it's not like there's some new study here. It's just basically, uh, religious without the religious uh, packaging. 
due to evolutionary principles, we right. have an inbuilt desire for protection and commitment from your partner. <laughs> Are you reading a comment? The, the, the thread. The, yeah, no. this is the thread that Jesse cited. There's no, I'm a guy looking at the thread. I just don't see where you're where you are. What oh, number is it, that? Is that number eight? Number eight. No. Women who engage in casual sex due to and there's a picture of a lady who's looking sad. And due oh to my in, God. due to internal you damage to, to them through casual sex. Right. Women have felt desire. Right. Mm-hmm. So when a woman has sex with a man, it means she admits to trusting him to care for her. If he then, like, okay, it's like a logic chain. And I see this a lot, like, in people, like, this is how, you know, you, you could get into war in Vietnam. <laughs> it's like, well, we have this theory. It's called the domino theory. <laughs> like, where'd you get this theory from? Oh, I pulled it out of my ass. <laughs> and, and then you commit to that for, like, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years. And then you say, Wow, we, we don't fight them over there. We're going to have to fight them over here. I'm going to commit to that for 20 years. Just the, just the repetition makes it sink in. Even if mm-hmm. you disagree, it like when you hear it over and over and over again. Of course. You, you, just, you can disagree, but you slightly do agree because you've heard it so many times. Like it's the power of, of advertising, right? It's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. It, speech drowns out thought. So Exactly. Exactly. So the people who are reading this thread and saying, brilliant! Uh, oh, it was this guy, Donald Utvulguk, who follows me. I guess I must follow him, too. A correlation exists here with the rise of oral contraceptives, which certainly help to make promiscuity more pro- prevalent. Yep, it sure does. Although probably not a hell of a lot more prevalent, but yeah, of course. But... Mm-hmm. um. Speaking of which, I want to just tell everybody who didn't know, apparently there's a new adaptation of Brave New World, a TV. I heard about I, I heard, heard about, about that, it. too. It's on the Peacock channel, whatever that is, a streaming yeah. network. And uh, it looks like the first episode came out in July, and then everything else is coming in September, which is kind of weird. Um, right. That is weird. And uh, it's it's a good book, so... Um, I'd be interested in it, but I'm not sure it can sustain a TV series. So, I mean, it might be all right. Not, not unless you expend. I mean, you can get maybe how a many, season out of the book. Don't know, don't know. Yeah, you, you might be able to get a season out of the book, and that's it. And then everything else in the episode sort of inventing stuff. Yeah. Brave New World, but uh oh, there it is. 2020 drama series. Let's see what it says. Nine episodes. So nine. that's oh, that's nine hours, which is. A lot of, I mean, if you, oh, and I noticed some character was named Lenina Orwell on something. And I'm like, well, somebody's Lenina Orwell. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was on some other science fiction show or something. I was like, that seems like, (laughs) that seems like uh, (laughs) direct telling you what it's supposed to be. No, I'm interested in seeing that Brave New World eventually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and who else has seen the uh, first Lovecraft Country? No, I don't have HBO, so I have not. Me neither. I've read the book. I've read I just the book. get I just get the copyright claims in in my email. You're fucking sharing your stuff, and I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Anyways, it's uh, it was a combination of okay and kind of lame. Hmm. Unfortunately, um, and it sounds like it follows the book very closely. One of the things that was kind of uh, if Evan was here, I would like to tell him because um, mm-hmm. he's doing all the uh, Lovecraft podcasts. Um, is uh, in the first one of the first scenes. Oh, what well, did you see my tweets about the opening, the dream sequence? Uh, no, with the the Martian lady. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. She, she's a you know red red Mars lady. Uh, what's her name? Princess of Mars. Uh, Princess Deja of Taurus. Taurus. Deja Taurus, right? Um, I was like, why is she randomly Asian? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it's not random. He he actually left a Korean wife or something, girlfriend, back in Korea. Because the main characters just come back from the Korean War. Um, so the dream sequence actually makes a little bit of sense. Um, but I also thought it was there to trigger somebody. <laughs> you know? Because um, you can't make the Deja Thoris is white. I mean red. I mean she's not Asian. Uh, oh, it, it, it did some people in one of my extra Rice Burroughs Facebook groups. Oh yeah. But the complaint was her skin was the wrong shade of red. To yes. Be a red person. Absolutely. Uh, totally. I mean that like, looked unhealthy. This red. Is a dream sequence, man. Like. Yeah. And she came down out of a saucer, which didn't make any sense. Um, well, it was War of the that's Worlds. Not- that's not in the book itself, but, <laughs> but, 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 but I think the reason why they have this, I haven't seen the episode, mind you remember. I think the reason why they do this is to foreground that this is a science fiction slash horror series. No, uh, it's, it's because the character is a science fiction reader. Right, uh, right. But when, when, how do you do that? You don't show them reading a science fiction. No, movie. they did. <laughs> That's the thing is he, he's actually on the, he's on the back of the bus, you know, with the black, black people in the white only section is in front and he's on the back of the bus and the black lady uh who he ends up walking down the road with because the white people get picked up and they have to walk um is uh saying what's that book you're reading and he says it's a princess of mars um and then uh she says isn't that the one where the main character is a, a southern uh, confederacy officer and he says yep and then he says a line that's pretty good. That's like, basically, you don't throw out the whole thing <laughs> just because the part of it's broken or whatever. And, and, and that's a very Neo Lovecraft sort of thing. And, um, you find, you find that in the book itself as well as with a lot yeah, of the, that's what it sounds like. It's you very you close. All of Lovecraft because Lovecraft was a raging racist. You, you take, you, you take the best pits of cosmic horror and you do what you, he was not raging, but yes, he was definitely um, racist. I think I, we've had that discussion, Jesse. He's raging. No, no, he was like yes. No, he he's was a raging. He's a raging racist. Okay. Well, what what what, what you're saying by raging makes me think he's running around the rooms breaking things. That's what I, I've you know when I'm in a rage, I'm angry and I throw things. Right? <laughs> not that I do that very much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do it very. I used to. <laughs> But anyway, was, are we gonna do the podcast? I, yes, but hang on. Hang on okay. one moment. Um, the part that, uh, have you read the book? Matt yes. Roth book? Okay. So apparently this, the thing that they kept in there, um, that's in the book is, uh, he picks up a copy of that 1945, um, The Outsider and Others, uh, Arkham House book. 
and he says uh, something to somebody, and they say, um, and he quotes this poem on the, what's it called? It's the racist titled one. It's on, on the creation of niggers. That's what it's called. And he says, my father made me memorize it. And he's holding the book. That poem didn't come out until the 80s. Like, nobody knew it existed until the 80s. So it's like an alternate alternate history, so that it was, like, published in that book or something. Um, and the, I mean, I'll, I'll, it's, I'll a nice, it's nice to look at. The movie, uh, the show, like, they have, it's, you know, beautiful, but then it turns into, like, a monster hunt at the end. And that's, like, like if that's what it's going to be like the, every the, week, the, it's not going to be the, worth the watching. The book itself is actually several it's it's a little bit episodic there's several different events slash mini stories within the book that all eventually tie together so it's kind of episodic which, yeah which makes it which makes makes understand why, why you'd adapt it for a tv series because you so the book is already set up that way he apparently wanted it to be a tv series um matt ruff's yeah, Matt just wanted to get into TV and stuff for a long time. Yeah, so. so it was written for uh, TV. But this is a lot more accessible than, say, your sewer, gas, and electric books. That's for sure. <laughs> it, it, th- those, are, those are weird, weird books. All right. If you want to start, since it's I, I been almost half an hour. Working. All right. Okay, let me get my recorder going. I assume nobody else is joining us. Sadly and tragically, it does Sadly. not. Sadly. Everybody watch the movie? No. Yes. Watch the movie. I own the movie. Save it. I also watch. Save the- it. I also watch the version. The what? Saving it for the podcast. Okay. Hold on. Why is my corner not going? Hold on for a second. I type in Colossus, and what comes up? The X Men character. Yes. Yes, it does. T-F. That's because sometimes people are barbarians. <laughs> No, see, he doesn't rage either. He's very calm. Same for <laughs> but he gets Russian, Paul. <laughs> oh my God, Jesse's so mean. Um, ready. Uh, good. Okay. Uh, everybody ready? Ready. All right, let me make sure I got a recorder going. What? Oh man. Click on stuff and then everything disappears. Wow. I've been recording all of this. All right, good. <laughs> How I feel. Hold hold it against me later. And then and and whisper in my ear. <laughs> That's a pretty good joke, Jesse. Should write that down. Oh, I've also been working on a Jesse. It's been recorded. I'm working on a poem about clothing. Um and it's basically uh I know this is not uh, awesome material, but it'll make for good outtakes or whatever. Um, it'll be nice uh, in a thousand years when people get upset that people were talking about clothing or whatever. They say, that Jesse was a raging clothist. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, it was like I just thought of all the funny vocab words for all sorts of weird pieces of clothing, like kirtle. That's like a overdress. You see women in the Middle Ages, yeah. I, yeah. I, I came across that in the Domesday book. Right, oh, yeah. That's and a there's new word for me. And uh, bib, <laughs> it's a piece yeah. of clothing, right? And girdle, girdle, and kirtle, and bibs. And I, I was just making a long list of all of them, and then I, I thought, oh, this is there's poem material here. So it's a lady. She's gonna try and get dressed 
in the morning, but nothing fits and, and nothing, uh, or if, if it does fit, it's, it's like, hasn't been washed or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard to make everything rhyme. So I, it's, it's work in progress. Sounds kind of fun. It is. Purple and bottle and bits. Oh, we're just a good time. Here, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you just what I've got so far. Uh, when she awoke, she doffed her pajamas, stood naked in, t- in towel on mat. She looked for a blouse, found none in her house, found only her kirtles and frocks. Oh, yeah. She had not a pair, though looked everywhere. Seeking a dress, she sought for a slip, found one in- and slipped it on. It felt tight at the hip, heard it go rip, yelled rudely and cried. <laughs> and then it stops for a while. Uh, sought smocks, found only socks. See, that needs to be shortened a little bit. Got a c- coat of camel hair. She slipped on, slipped on a, sl- oh, that's a, that's a repeat line there. Uh, so exhausted she panted. <laughs> Her gender recanted. <laughs> She'd have kilt for, kilt for a clean pair of shorts. <laughs> Oh, uh, I think it needs a little massaging. Oh yes, it needs a lot of work. <laughs> Goddamn lot of work. Let's get this podcast started, boys and girls. We're gonna skirt the issue for now, Jesse. <laughs> we'll put a pin in it. Yes, that's what <laughs> I'm, I'm losing my shirt. So I'll do some alterations on that next time we convene. Okay, here we go. Uh, everybody know their place. Yes. Okay. Yes. Here we go.